morning, brethren. Well, good morning, everybody who is uh, joining us online. Thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, pray that the songs and the prayers that we have sang and spoken and uh, prayed together would be edifying to you as and glorifying to God. Um, it's been another crazy week, but, uh, but seriously, when was the last time we made it through an entire week? Nothing crazy happened. It's been a while. So I'm not going to uh, address today, um, specifically, or at least primarily, the events of the past week. Uh, and that's in part because I feel like if we were to address everything crazy that happens in the world every week, um, we'd miss a whole lot of what the Spirit has to say to us from Scripture. Um, just talking about crazy stuff that's going on in the world around us. Um, so uh, I know that it has been kind of a uh, troubling week for, for some of us, and I know that many of you have spoken about being shaken by this and, uh, and worried about what's going to happen. I do want to remind you of what I think the Apostle Peter would say to us uh, if he was here today. I think he would say to us, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when uh, craziness goes on in the world. Today, what I do want to talk to you about is um, how to follow the Spirit's lead. How to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. And, um, and so we're going to be looking uh, primarily at two texts. One was just read in Romans chapter 8. So you've got a hard copy of the Bible with one of these nice little, uh, you know, um, I don't know what you call these, like markers or uh, ribbons. You can mark your Bible there. The other text that we're going to be looking at uh, primarily today, and I'm going to allude to many others, but is Galatians chapter 5. So Romans 8 and Galatians chapter 5 are the two key places in the New Testament where um, where we see this phrase, led by the Spirit. And that's what I want to uh, talk with you a little bit about today. Now, uh, let me get some clarifications as we get going here. Today, for our purposes, um, we are not going to discuss everything that the Scripture says and teaches about the Holy Spirit. If we did that, um, instead of preaching for an hour, I'd be preaching here for seven or eight hours at least, and that wouldn't even cover it. Um, so if you'd like to study more comprehensively what does the Scripture teach about the Holy Spirit from Genesis to Revelation, uh, let us know. About over a little over a year ago, we did a class um, here uh, among the group in which we tried to span the entire scripture and just survey what do we learn about the Holy Spirit from scripture. And uh, so Ben and I put together some material for that. And uh, so if you're interested in that, we'd be happy to share that with you. But um, we're also today not going to discuss uh, all the ways that the Spirit works, or all the ways that we're told in scripture even that the Spirit works. Um, you will not hear me say today that the Spirit only works or the Spirit only leads in this way. Um, and, and the reason for that is because I, have, I know of no scripture that makes such a claim. Um, and, and I think we should assume, we should assume that since the, the Spirit is God, we should assume that he's working in ways that far transcend anything that we can comprehend or understand. Um, that's true of God, right? God is working in ways that far transcend anything that we can comprehend or understand. And so the activity of the Spirit is far beyond anything that any of us could think or comprehend. Whatever our understanding of the Spirit's work, I would suggest it's probably incomplete. I'm, in fact, I'm confident that our understanding of the Spirit's work is incomplete. What I do know, though, is uh, we can know what we need to know. Because God has revealed that to us 
in his word. What has been revealed about the spirit is what we do need to know. And so today we're going to focus especially on how do we follow the spirit's lead. Um, and I already tell you, we're not going to cover uh, even all of that question today. This will probably end up being in two parts. Uh, but I want us to think about today, how can we how can we be certain that we're following the spirit, the Holy Spirit's lead? And how can I know that it's really the Holy Spirit that is leading me and not some other spirit um, that may be leading me astray? So let me just share a couple of things as we get going here about why we need to talk about this. Uh, and first, I want to suggest we need to talk about this because there are many people, and probably all of us know people and love people, who've, done, who, who, who've followed spirits that have ended up piercing themselves through with many sorrows and many pains. And many people have done that following what they thought was the Holy Spirit's leading only to realize long after the fact that it was not at all the Holy Spirit who was leading them, but some other spirit that was leading them astray. I also want to say we need to talk about this because uh, this is not a, an easy question in Scripture. This is not, uh, this is a difficult subject in Scripture. Uh, and there are all kinds of different beliefs out there that people hold, um, and, all, and many of these people seem to be seeking the same God. Um, there are lots of people who, uh, who, who are, I believe are honestly seeking to understand God's will, who have a variety, a vast difference of opinion on how to understand and how to interpret the answer to this question. And so the natural question that should arise whenever this is the case is, is everybody out there reading the same book? Like, are we actually all looking at the same text, reading the same scriptures? And if so, why are there so many different views? Now, let me say this first. Um, how, when we talk about how to follow the Spirit's lead, how do we figure out the answer to this question? Let me say this. Don't just follow your feelings or your experiences. Don't just follow your feelings or your experiences. In fact, the Scriptures are sufficient to help us discern how to walk in the Spirit, how to follow the Spirit's lead, when the Spirit does not always explicitly tell us exactly what to do. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, uh, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's the word spirit in there. God breathed, or from God's spirit. All scripture is from God's spirit. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God, this is verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you hear that? This is what Paul is saying. The Bible says that Scripture is sufficient to answer this question. That is, Scripture is sufficient to give you everything you need to know in order to be complete and adequate, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything we need to be thoroughly equipped. Everything we need, Peter will say, for life and godliness comes through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, comes through the, the spirit, the God-inspired or God-breathed word that he has given us. And, and I think that's important to say at the beginning because many times uh, when it comes to this particular subject, there is very little attempt to build a biblical approach to this topic. More often it is testimonials, it is uh, it's experiences. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what, uh, what I heard about somebody else's experience. And sometimes our beliefs end up being more based upon experiences 
been on scripture. So don't immediately go to your experience. Experience is not the best way to build a person's theology. Remember, there are many spirits out there, and not all of them are uh, come from the Holy Spirit. Don't first go to, well, Pastor Bob said this, or Aunt Shirley had this experience, or I felt this way, and I know that must have been the Holy Spirit leading me. Think about the scriptures, and think about what the Bible says, even if it goes against the experiences that you've had. Uh, let me say this, too, uh, as we get going here. There's a need for us to test the spirits. Um, I'm going to give you two texts on this. There are others that relate to this, but two texts that are easy to remember because it's the same chapter and same verse of two different books. Um, the first one is uh, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. The second one is 1 John 4 and verse 1. So in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, Paul wrote to Timothy, and this is what he said. He said, the Spirit explicitly, clearly says this. What does he say? He says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Right, did you hear that? That's a sobering thought. The Spirit explicitly says, the Holy Spirit clearly says, has spelled out for us, that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. And doctrines of demons. That's something to remember, something to be thoughtful about. Let me add this. John wrote to his readers in 1 John 4, verse 1. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And if uh, the events of this past year have taught us anything, it's that there are many false prophets still in the world claiming to be speaking from God, for God, and from God, and yet what they say does not come to pass. One of the clear tests given to the ancient Israelites was, if a man says he's speaking for God and his word does not come true, then you can know that, it was not, that he's not a true prophet but a false prophet. There are many false prophets that have gone out into the world, and so not every spirit that people are following, not even every spirit that, that Christians are following is the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful here. Now, let me show you just a few things about what the scriptures teach us about how the spirit led people in scripture. And let's start with Jesus. Uh, there's a lot to say about ancient Israel on this too. We're going to skip that for our purposes today. But if you'd like to discuss that later, we can. Uh, I want to start, though, with Jesus, because the other two times in the New Testament where the phrase led by the Spirit is used is in reference to Jesus. Now, the prophets actually promised that the Spirit would rest upon the Messiah so that he would proclaim the gospel. Uh, you can see that all throughout the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 11 and verse 2, Isaiah 42 and verse 1, and Isaiah 61 and verse 1 are just a few places where you see that. And that's exactly when we get to the Gospel of Luke, if you remember when we read through the Gospel of Luke uh, a couple of years back, that after Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit at his baptism, it says in chapter 4 and verse 1 that Jesus, full of the Spirit, was led by the Spirit and, and worked in the power of the Spirit. Those all come from chapter 4. And worked in the power of spirit to proclaim the gospel and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So the picture that Luke gives us of Jesus is that all throughout his ministry, he is being led by the spirit. He's being led by the spirit to do the work of God, to proclaim the gospel and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
And in fact, what we see is that Jesus, it wasn't just Jesus who was led by the Spirit, but Jesus also promised his apostles that he would send them an advocate, uh, the Spirit of truth, to help them and to be with them forever, John 14 and verse 16 and 17. Now, while the scripture doesn't actually use this particular phrase, led by the Spirit, in reference to the apostles, if you read through the book of Acts, if you read through um, some of the, uh, the letters which we're doing this year together, you will see that clearly the Spirit was leading them by teaching them all things and reminding them of everything that Jesus had taught them. That's what he said he would do in John, in John 14, verse 26. Um, the spirit of truth will testify about Jesus, John 15 and verse 26. And the spirit of truth, Jesus said, would guide them into all truth, John 16 and verse 13. And he would teach them what to say. Remember that passage in Luke chapter 12? There'll be times when you're put on trial and you don't know what to say. Don't worry. The spirit of God will teach you in that moment what to say. So God, Jesus had promised that, that, they, that the apostles also would be led by the spirit. And so when Jesus ascended and went back to heaven, the apostles were to wait in Jerusalem for, specifically for, the gift of the Holy Spirit. When they would be empowered by Jesus to go out and be his witnesses and do his work in the world. And in fact, that's what we see in Acts chapter 2. When God poured out his spirit, when God poured out his spirit upon them, they began to speak in tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. And filled with the spirit, the apostles preached with boldness. You'll see that over and over again in the book of Acts. The apostles or the disciples after were filled with the spirit and then it led them to go out and preach the word with boldness. Now, there were some special things that the Spirit also did for the apostles. For example, in Acts chapter 5, if you remember, the Spirit revealed to the apostles when Ananias and Sapphira were lying, came and were lying about how much they'd given to the church. It was the Spirit of God that revealed to them, uh, that, to the apostles, that, that they were lying. Um, the Spirit sent apostles to take the gospel to the nations. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11 shows places where we see the Spirit involved in sending out the apostles. Um, there were times in which the Spirit ordered the apostles to go certain places to do His work. And, and there were also uh, times where the Spirit kept apostles from going certain places. You remember Paul wanted to go here, but the Spirit would not permit him to go there and do that work. At times the Spirit would even reveal to them what awaited them. Paul mentions that in Acts uh, chapter 20 to the uh, elders in Ephesus, that, that the Spirit had already revealed to him what was awaiting him, what, what was ahead of him. Ahead of him. Um, now, this is interesting too. Look with me for a second at Ephesians chapter 3 and um, verses 5 and 6. And I want you to notice something specifically here. Ephesians 3 verses 5 and 6. Paul says, starting in verse 4, now referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Verse 5, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Notice this. There's something that, has, that, that God has now revealed that he did not reveal in other generations, but now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Now, here's what I want you to think about here. Um, that is to say, uh, if you back up one chapter in chapter 2, the Spirit's temple was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. 
So it seems that, and I think it's definitely fair to say this, that, that the Holy Spirit gave the apostles, you might say, a special portion of the Spirit. There was a special portion of His Spirit um, that was given to the, whole, to the apostles and to the prophets so that they could reveal the will of God to His people. Now I say that to say that we, we need to be cautious here. I don't think it's fair for me, for me to assume that just because the Spirit led the apostles to work in a certain way, therefore I should expect Him to work in all the exact same ways in how He leads me. I think this is why when, when the early church, uh, when people started being converted to the Lord, they were baptizing to Christ, they didn't just sit around and say, hey, let's just wait to see where the Spirit leads us. You remember in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, why was that? Well, that's because they understood that the, that the Holy Spirit was speaking through the apostles. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to them God's will through the apostles. And for this reason, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching so they could know what explicitly had been revealed from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not to say that it's just the apostles that received the Spirit. Certainly, if you read the New Testament, all disciples received the Holy Spirit. And when they hadn't received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 19, there was a major problem with that. And Paul, Paul baptized them into Christ to make sure that they would have received. The, that they did receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see that all throughout the New Testament, that the disciples are receiving the Holy Spirit, starting in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And oftentimes in, in, the, in the New Testament, um, after praying or after spending time with God, we'll see the disciples being refilled with the Spirit, um, like in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. Um, and, and then they go out and speak the Word of God boldly. Uh, some of the disciples, when, when they received the Holy Spirit, were able to speak in tongues as evidence of God's Spirit coming upon them. Some of the disciples received other revelatory gifts, wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, distinguishing of spirits. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 lists off some of those in verses 4 through 10. What I want you to see, though, is that there were actually a variety of gifts and ministries and manifestations of the Spirit and not every disciple received the same gifts. Uh, that's very clear from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, uh, chapter 12 through 14. The Spirit spoke through evangelists, Acts 8 and verse 29, through prophets, Acts 21, verses 8 to 11, along with apostles and prophets. But only in two places in the New Testament do we find this, this phrase, led by the Spirit, Applying to all disciples, only in two places, and those are the ones that I want to take some moment to explore with you in the rest of our time today. These two passages are Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 16, the passage that was just read for us a few moments ago, and the second one in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 25. So one of the things that I want us to think about here is if we want to know how, to, how can I be sure that I'm following the Spirit's lead? Well, let's start where that phrase is actually used. Let's start where that phrase in Scripture, led by the Spirit, is actually used, and look at what does it teach us about how to be led by the Spirit. So let's start in Romans 8 and verse 5 again. I'm not going to read all this text since it was already read, but the first thing that jumps out at me in Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 um, is that those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit 
the things of the Spirit. And I want you, the first thing that jumps out at me here is um, that though God, uh, that, that to be led by the Spirit or to live according to the Spirit is to set your mind on what the Spirit desires. That's the first thing that Paul mentions here in chapter 8 and verse 5. Now, again, there might be a little hang-up here. You might say, well, if all Christians are, 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 um, are filled with the Spirit and God gives the Spirit to all disciples, then, 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 then isn't, doesn't that mean we're all being led by the Spirit? And, and I think in a sense, yes. In another sense, no. Just because God has given me His Spirit does not mean that I am walking in the Spirit or that I am being filled by the Spirit or that I'm following the lead of the Spirit. Just let me cite one passage on that from the Old Testament. Psalm 51. Do you remember this? After David had sinned with Bathsheba, he specifically prays in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then he says, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, why would David say that? Well, David understood that it's possible if he rejects God and turns away from God, that actually the spirit that God had put on him God could also take away from him. God could take away his Holy Spirit. And so I say that to say, just because I've been filled with the Spirit and just because I've been baptized in Christ and received his Spirit does not necessarily mean that I am being led by the Spirit. He says to be led by the Spirit here and to live according to the Spirit, verse 5, is to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Notice in verse 6, the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Some translations say it this way, um, the, the mind governed by the spirit. And, and I, I think that's a helpful thought here. Do I, let the, do I let the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, direct my mind and direct my thoughts? Or am I the one? Or am I own fleshly desires? Does that determine how I think and how I act and how I live? To be led by the Spirit is to allow God's Spirit to govern my life, to allow God's Spirit to govern the way that I think. And that's going to lead me, verse 7, to sub subject myself to the law of God. That's going to lead me to submit myself to whatever God's will is. He says in verse 7, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. It does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. The implication being that the mind that's set on the Spirit and the mind that's governed by the Spirit is subjecting themselves to God's law, is learning to walk in God's way, is learning uh, a little further down to put to death the misdeeds of the body, as he says later on, uh, verse 13. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die, but if, if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being, here's our phrase, verse 14, led by the Spirit of God. These are sons of God. So notice the phrase here, the idea. To be led by the Spirit means that I'm going to let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, control the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I live. Which means I'm going to be putting to death those deeds of the flesh. Putting to death all of that, that evil, fleshly way of life that I used to, that I used to live in. And instead, I'm going to now allow the Spirit to produce a new life within me, to raise me up and to give me a new life in Christ Jesus. Now, maybe that's not explicit enough for you to help you uh, grasp what it is that it means to be led by the Spirit. So let's look at one other passage that is quite similar to this one, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Turn over there if you would with me. 
Galatians chapter 5, and I want to start reading here in uh, verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. You might remember this passage, Fruit of the Spirit, uh, in this text, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit, or some translations say there, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now notice there's a lot of similarities here between Romans chapter 8 and Galatians chapter 5. There are also some differences, some of which we won't have time to get into in detail today, but I want you to notice that just as he talked about living according to the Spirit in Romans 8, here he begins by talking about walking in the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, walking by the Spirit. And if a person walks by the Spirit, they are not going to gratify the desires of their flesh. That is, they're going to put to death the deeds of the body. They're not going to do whatever they want to do. In fact, uh, verse 19 makes clear that having a Spirit-filled life, living a life that's following the Spirit's lead, means that we're going to say no to all of these evil desires of our past and of our flesh. We're going to put to death these deeds that used to be a part of us, that used to be so natural to us, they are no longer going to be anymore because we are not walking in the flesh. We're walking according to the Spirit. And in fact, what happens is not as if the Spirit just kills things. The Spirit does kill our old self full of flesh and, and sin. But the Spirit revives us and produces in us a much better fruit. Chapter 5 and verse 22. The Spirit produces fruit. What kind of fruit? Love. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is how we keep in step with the Spirit. This is how we follow the Spirit's lead. Now, notice in both of these texts that the clear sign that someone is led by the Spirit is that they are putting to death the evil deeds of the flesh and they are producing the Spirit Spirit-filled fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, by submitting to God's law, setting their mind on what the Spirit desires, letting the Spirit govern their mind and their life, and walking by the Spirit. I, I just want to add here, too, because uh, I think this is helpful and important for us. Um, there's no passage in the Bible that talks about feeling led by the Spirit. Only passages that talk about being led by the Spirit. To me, there's a difference between those two. Oftentimes, when we think about following the Spirit's lead, we think about feelings 
But there's no passage that actually speaks about that. Um, you know, sometimes I often hear people say, I just felt like the Lord was leading me to do this. I just felt like the Spirit was, was telling me to go and, and, and do these things. There's no scripture that, t- that teaches us that indicates that we should expect the Lord to lead us in such ways. Through feelings, through hunches, through inklings or intuitions. There's no scripture that tells us to rely on such, to understand how God's Spirit is leading. It's true that Spirit may, that feeling may be from the Spirit of God. But it's also just as true that that feeling may come from some other spirit, or it may be a result of just what you ate the night before. You don't know where your feelings always come from. And God has not told us that this feeling is from God, and this feeling is not of God. He has not told us about those things. The way to know for certain that I'm following the lead of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is by setting my mind on what the Holy Spirit desires. By living according to the Spirit. By letting the Spirit govern my mindset and submitting to His law. By not gratifying the desires of my flesh. Not doing just whatever my flesh and desires want. But instead allowing the Spirit to work in me to produce love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. These are the fruit of the Spirit. I'm reminded of something that, uh, that, that Jesus said, I believe it's in Matthew 12 and in verse 33. Um, no good tree produces bad fruit. Let's see if I'm right about that. Matthew 12 and verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Now, there's something about that that's a little bit, I think, tricky for us because, um, well, and, and maybe it's helpful to illustrate it this way. If you go and you look for fruit on a tree, um, it doesn't just pop up overnight. You get an avocado tree, you're not just going to wake up and bam, there's an avocado plant in the ground, and then bam, the next morning there's avocados everywhere, right? Fruit, the growth of fruit starts out very small. There's this long, slow process by which that fruit grows produces. And I think that's important because sometimes we, you might be a new Christian or you might be been a Christian a while and you, you say, well, I can't tell that I'm different today than I was yesterday. Yeah. I can't see that progress. Let me ask you um, to think about, like, hey, are you the same person you were last year, five years ago, ten years ago? You see, the Spirit produces fruit. It doesn't always show up. You can't always tell the difference from day to day. And oftentimes it's a lot harder to see that see that uh, fruit in ourselves than it is to see it in other people. That's one of the reasons why we come together to stir each other up, to remind each other, look at what the Lord is doing in you. Look at how the Spirit is working in you and the fruit that he's producing. But ultimately what I want us to see here is that when we think about following the Spirit's lead, we need to start by thinking about putting to death all the deeds and desires of the flesh. And allowing the Spirit to transform us to begin producing this kind of fruit in our lives. Not just doing whatever the flesh wants, but allowing God's Spirit to make us into the kind of person that He desires us to be. Now I realize that this is probably not what some of you may have been hoping for uh, when I said we were going to talk today about how to follow the Spirit's lead um, in a discussion on being led by the Spirit. Uh, now, oftentimes, and I'm not saying this about any of you in particular, because I haven't heard you say this, 
But oftentimes when people say, I'm following the lead of the Spirit, or I want to know how to follow God's, uh, the Spirit's lead, um, what do we actually want to know about? Oftentimes what I hear is, uh, you know, people in college who are asking about, hey, um, I want to follow the Spirit's lead right now in my life. Uh, are they asking that so that they can make sure that they're keeping themselves morally pure and holy and self-controlled if self-controlled lies? Um, I, want to, I, I, want to, I want to follow the Spirit's lead so that I can be a better roommate or a better servant to the people around me. That's not normally what we think about. We think, of, I want to follow the Spirit's lead, so tell me what I should major in. Tell me what degree I should get. Tell me which job I should take is the way we often think about that. Most often, uh, it's I want to know how the Spirit is leading me so I know who to marry. Or I know whether to marry or whether to stay single. Or I know where to go to school or, or, or which actual job to take or where to live, etc. Uh, I want to say something here, uh, and we'll talk about this more in the next, uh, next in a couple of weeks when we look at this again. If you're only seeking the Spirit's lead, in the big decisions of life, you're not gonna you're not gonna be very skilled at following the spirit's lead, and you're gonna struggle with a lot of decision making. You understand what I mean by that? The spirit does not just lead us in who to marry or, 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 or where to live or where to work. It's much more importantly, in Scripture, the spirit is leading us in how to be as a spouse when not married. Or how to live as a single person, or how to live as a married person, or how to live rather than where to where to live, how to work rather than where to learn. We're oftentimes being led by the Spirit has more to do with how you live than where you live. How you work than where you work, how you act when married than which person you actually marry. That's not to say that none of those questions are important in of themselves. That's also not to say the Spirit doesn't have wisdom and actually insight to give us in answering those other questions. Certainly, the Bible has something to say about decision-making on practically every page of the Bible. In a couple more weeks, we'll look at that more closely. How do I follow the Spirit's lead? Particularly when the questions I'm asking, the Spirit doesn't explicitly say something about. How do I, how do I handle that? We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But I wanted to start here, because it begin, if we're going to follow the Spirit's lead, we've got to start with Scripture. And we've got to start with what does the Scripture teach about how that actually happens. And it's not as easy as we'd like it to be, is it? Um, you know, I, I wish that following the Spirit's lead was as simple as following my feelings. That would be that would make life so much easier in so many ways. It'd be easier to just sit and wait for signs, right? To look for signs that the Spirit is wanting me to do this or go here, uh, or wait for a feeling to go here or or to go and do this, or to, or to, um, rather than to do the hard work of putting to death. The evil desires of my flesh that are within me that sometimes still resurrect within me. But let me just suggest this as we conclude today. The blessings of following the Spirit's lead and doing the hard work of following the Spirit's lead, the blessings far outweigh the hardships of living a life led by the Spirit. Think about this. I want to go back to Romans 8, 8 verse 14, and we'll end there. Listen to what he says. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are... The children of God. The spirit you receive does not make, make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs. 
heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Would you like to have an assurance that you're a child of God? Would you like to have uh, be freed from that spirit of fear, filled with the spirit of boldness to do God's work today? Following the Spirit's lead is far more about, it is about far more than just figuring out what to do in the moment or even what to do in this present age. Following the lead of the Spirit is about becoming children of God. It's about becoming like God's Son, becoming conformed to the image of Christ, he will go on to say in Romans 8. It's about becoming heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. And this is the beauty of it all. You see, the gospel tells us that Jesus came and died and suffered and died. And if we want to follow him, he says, he invites us, you got to come and you got to die with me daily. you got to deny yourself, you got to take up your cross daily. And that's what the work of the Spirit does in our lives. It helps us to put to death the deeds of the flesh, to deny self daily, to take up our cross and follow him. But what's beautiful about this is that the story doesn't end there. This is how we come not only to share in his sufferings, but it's also how we come to share in his glory. And we can know by the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that there is glory awaiting us in heaven with God. Therefore, we follow the Spirit's lead in hopes that what God is beginning now is to glorify us. To make us into his image again. To make us like his son again. To produce that spiritual fruit in us. So that one day we will reign with him. We will share in his glory. There's no greater blessing in this world than that. So may the Lord help us to follow his spirit each step of the way. Day after day. Putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Being filled with the fruit of his spirit until he brings us back to him. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for our time in your word. Thank you for the truths that you've revealed to us. Help us, O oh God, to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Help us, O oh God, to listen to the Spirit uh, and to listen to what he has taught us. Help us, God, to look deeply into your word so that we can know what it is you want from us and how to walk and how to live, how to work and how to serve and how to help in this world, in a world filled with darkness. Lord, we were troubled by many things in this world. There are many things that are heavy on our hearts. And we pray, oh God, deceitful spirits out there that are leading many people who think they're following you are following these evil spirits that are leading them astray, leading them to do all sorts of evil things. And I pray, oh God, that you would help us to show people the way of the spirit more accurately. Help us, Lord, to, to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we might lead others to be filled with your spirit that they may come to know your truth, that they may have their lives transformed. Lord, may each one of us uh, do the hard work of submitting to your law, filling our, our, our minds with things that your spirit desires. May we listen to you, and may your spirit govern our minds so that we may learn to walk in your ways, to be pleasing to you, to walk in the spirit, to keep in step with the spirit, and ultimately one day, by the spirit's power, be raised up to reign with you forevermore. Thank you, Father, for our time together. Bless us as we work towards this. Forgive us for our failures on this step. And please, Lord, create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Renew within us a steadfast spirit. Do not take your Holy Spirit from us, but renew us and make us what you want us to be. In Jesus we pray. Amen.